If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. We're going to ask students to reimagine and re-envision what the NHL puck could be so that it achieves all the things that we ask it to do, but improves upon its design. Did you know that there's a resource available for teaching students all kinds of subjects, starting with science, technology, engineering, and math, but including the arts? The Anaheim Ducks Hockey Club has an award-winning program called SCORE. SCORE, which began in 2005, is an acronym for Scholastic Curriculum of Recreation and Education. SCORE programs include Reading is the Goal, in which Ducks players visit schools to share a favorite book with classes, and the Captain's Challenge, a health and fitness program. In addition, every year, SCORE hosts the First Flight Field Trip, where thousands of Southern California students, grades 3 through 6, get to spend the day at the Honda Center for a skills competition and interactive practice with the team. Jason Cooper is manager of fan development marketing for the Anaheim Ducks. Jason, how did you first realize the potential of hockey to teach science, technology, engineering, art, and math? Well, it's really, uh, I guess, applicable to anything when you view the world around us through the lens of science, right? So science, really, and the great thing about the next generation science centers, and they do a really good job illuminating, is that science is part of our world. It's just a matter of where you look for it. So for us, it's a, a matter of not looking at it through the lens of sport and fandom, but to kind of put that hat on or, or the lab coat, if you will, and look for science in your world, and our world just happens to be hockey. So from the ice under the player's skates to, you know, the, the function and purpose of the equipment, there's ways to discuss science and everything that the sport does and represents. How did the SCORE program first come about for the Anaheim Ducks? So the SCORE program was part of a larger initiative by the NHL that came out of the 2004-2005 lockout. And this is kind of a a long-winded answer, but it kind of hopefully will provide some context for what we're doing here in Anaheim. In 2004-2005, the NHL lost an entire season to a labor disagreement. And in your non-traditional hockey markets, Anaheim being one of them, this took hockey off the radar of, of not only fans of the game, but uh, perspective of fans of the game. And so what the NHL did coming off that lockout was to create a department called fan development. And they left it up to the individual clubs to decide what fan development meant to them. And quite a few clubs decided these were going to be group sales initiatives and they were going to reach out and maybe uncommon sales strategies. But what the Ducks did, and in part because of new ownership, that same time the Ducks were purchased by Henry and Susan Samueli, who were at the time owners of Broadcom. And they decided to use not only the club for philanthropic purposes, but to urge the team, the business operations team at the club, to reach out to fans in creative and inventive ways. And one of the ways my predecessors thought was to engage, interact with school children. And there's a couple of different reasons for that. Is Primarily the focus was on in-school initiatives rather than the after-school initiatives, which is was also a good idea because you were able to reach these students where they were. Participation was 
100% in terms of the student population in that school rather than a volunteer basis after school. But the crux of that is to create valuable programming for not only the students that are receiving it, but for the teachers that were introducing it to their classrooms. So the SCORE program was born out of this idea of teaching students about hockey, but doing it in the classroom environment through multiple ways. And initially, it was by teaching the sport of street hockey as part of a PE curriculum. But the other ways were also to introduce the sport of hockey through science curriculum and English and language arts. The first flight field trip obviously reflects the, the science aspect of that. And then we have a few other programs, a school supplies donation, and then a reading program that obviously address the standards as they reflect English language arts. We'll be looking at each one of these, but I'm curious how you as an education professional first became aware of the fan development and of the SCORE program. Yeah, so my early days, my relationship began with the club during the SCORE program's birth, I guess, or early years. I was a PE teacher at one of the schools they had reached out to and asked if we'd like to participate in their program. They targeted schools that had dedicated PE specialists still on campus, so probably Quite a few people are familiar with the situation in schools now where there's one specialist that rotates through many campuses. I just happened to be a full-time teacher at a private school at the time that was a full-time PE teacher. And so they approached what was, I believe, 12 schools initially in 2005 and said, hey, we have a street hockey curriculum we'd like to offer you. And we'd also like to make a donation of equipment as well. The only catch is that you have to commit to teaching the sport of hockey 10 days as part of your an in-school module. And I had already been teaching hockey, so it was an easy decision for me to accept a quite large gift or donation of hockey equipment, which obviously benefited the students. But it also was impressive because the Ducks initially, instead of writing their own curriculum and handing over lesson plans to the teachers they reached out to, they went and sought advice from local departments of education, in particular the Orange County Department of Education, and it it lent itself a bit more credibility than a lot of other outside agencies tend to offer when they are providing resources for schools. So they had to sign off from our local education agency, which really gave it validation in my mind. I like that a lot. I'm hearing they listened. They didn't talk at you. They listened to you. Correct. Yeah, and that strain, I think, has stayed part of, I guess, our path and our mission statement, our agenda ever since, is that we try to be reflective and we try to be good listeners. We never want to perceive or or consider ourselves as the ultimate authority on any one of these subjects. We feel like we got a pretty good idea of the hockey, and we actually have a passion for science and language arts as well, amongst other, you know, subject matter. But we always are listening and getting feedback from not only the teachers that are involved in our program, but from outside experts to advise us on what's next, what's the best practice in terms of what we're trying to achieve. And I think that's really set us apart from not only other NHL clubs, but other sports franchises that also do this type of outreach. In fact, I did not know you even had this outreach prior to the California STEAM Symposium. This is a great one. Yeah, it's it's odd. (laughs) That's for sure. I love that it's so different. What was your own journey like from realizing that you were impressed by their street hockey program to where you are right now, authoring the Captain's Challenge, coordinating the field trip? What was in between? My journey actually started in, I have a journalism background. I was a journalism major with a photo emphasis. And out of 
college, I worked for a local community paper up in the San Gabriel Valley. And in order to make some extra money during the day, I got my substitute teaching credential and really fell in love with teaching at that point. And I was lucky enough about that same time to be offered a full-time position as a teacher down in Orange County at a school down here to teach PE. And even luckier, I was offered to become part of a credential slash master's program to pursue my multiple subject teaching credential as well as my MED. That was about the same time I started that program about the same time we started working with the Ducks. And throughout that educational journey, I was able to see the power of not only physical education in terms of its impact on my students and its potential to integrate with other subject matter, for instance, teaching math and science through physical education became very obvious to me through my course of study there in graduate school, but ways that you could utilize any subject matter to impact students if you're passionate about it. And so in 2011, when the Ducks approached me about taking on a position to author the Captain's Challenge program that addresses the state fitness program assessment in fifth grade, it gave me a platform that I experienced and that I had teaching PE, but really amplified my voice. And that was really attractive in terms of taking this next step and coming over to the docks for where when I was teaching, a classroom teacher or a PE teacher, I had roughly 300 students that I interacted with daily, and it was wonderful. And right now, we have roughly 60,000 students that are involved in our programming. So in terms of my ability to impact the educational landscape and to do good within my Orange County community, it really offered me a bigger megaphone. And one that I was really eager to jump on board with and see what we can do to, again, with the ultimate outcome of, you know, having a positive effect on the educational landscape of Orange County and beyond. That captain's challenge is exciting because it sounds like it would affect children not necessarily in sports, but for the rest of their lives. Would you tell me about what you created with that? Right. So the captain's challenge is a program based on the fifth grade version of the fitness gram assessment. So what the, I guess, the, is identifying the, the initial need was that there's, in terms of participation and performance on that particular assessment, at the time I came over, there was roughly uh, 28, 29% of students in Orange County were what we would call past that, which is to say they were in the healthy fitness zone. And so what the Ducks wanted to do uh, was provide an additional resource for educators who uh, really what it came down to didn't have time to prepare their students for this assessment or weren't comfortable in preparing them. That is, they didn't have the toolbox or the keys to help. They weren't comfortable teaching PE. They weren't comfortable interacting with these concepts. And ultimately what that led to was a failure in preparation, not only, but on the actual assessment itself. So what we wanted to do was to create a kid-friendly program that introduced students to these assessment concepts in a way that they were able to grasp themselves and they were able to lead. So the idea was not to be an additional burden on the classroom teacher that already doesn't have enough time to teach PE, let alone, you know, prepare their students for this fitness gram assessment. So we thought, well, let's cut the teacher out of this or ask them to minimally participate in this program, hang up a participation poster, introduce students to the concepts, help facilitate like distribution of, of a sticker really and then turn it over to the kids and write a workbook, which every student in the program receives, that is written to their level, to their level of understanding, and empowers them to lead their classmates 
in the preparation for this assessment and to do so in these kind of non-traditional forms. So instead of training for this sit and reach assessment by stretching, we have students do yoga and things like that that align with each one of the, what we call the five assessments. There's actually six when they do BMI, but we help students prepare for the sit and reach, the pacer test or the mile run, curl up, trunk lift, and push up. And so what we did, the hockey twist, the hockey aspect is utilizing the captain, which is why we call it the captain's challenge. And we feel that the captaincy in the NHL is special amongst all sports because the captain has their designation sewn onto their sweater. You know who the captain is. And the captain is afforded certain, I don't know what call luxuries, but let's say certain access to referees, special qualities. But they also wear that that C on their sweater so people know who they are. And they're expected to be not only accountable for their team, but to be the example that their team plays by. And we wanted to impart some of those lessons as well. So this program not only hopefully prepares students to do better on those state assessments, but prepares them to be better people in the classroom, to teach them about the impact of positive character And that is something really in in the long term I'm actually more interested in. I'm more interested in the social-emotional well-being of these students. I feel like that's something actually sport can help with, and in particular this program. Students that had no idea how to prepare for this test or don't see themselves as athletes or healthy all of a sudden are given the opportunity to succeed and given a clear path to achievement. And what that does for confidence I think is huge. And my hope is that that confidence is then transposed on other aspects of their life where they feel comfortable to not only lead, but approach things that they may otherwise maybe not be comfortable with or were scared to do, but have this newfound sense of self where they can hopefully apply that and become not only leaders, but better people. You reference the students that don't see themselves as athletes. There will always be kids that will feel they have two left feet or that can't catch the ball or whatever. How does this reach out to them? Right, and this is actually across all our our programs within that scope of hockey. The great, I guess one of the silver linings about being a hockey club is that so few students have participated in the sport that it almost becomes this great equalizer, if you will. So when we introduce the concepts of these sports in third or fourth grade, there's not this stigma associated with learning the sport at an older age that you might have problems with learning basketball or baseball, for instance, where if you pick it up at nine or 10 years old, you might be three or four years behind your peers. Hockey, we don't tend to have that issue. So no one's afraid to pick up the stick because they're not worried about looking the worst in their classroom. They tend to all approach it from the same level, which is great. And then what happens is because it's so foreign, because they know nothing about it, and because in part because of our programming, whether it's a science program through the First Flight Field Trip or even our PE curriculum, when they feel like they understand the sport or they can play the sport after one of these programs, that tends to build their confidence in not only in sport, but in other aspects of their lives. What else can I do? If I was, if I had no knowledge of the sport of hockey, but now I get what icing is or how the rink is built. That's something that can be seen in anything that we learn through life, but it's something that we really see in, in hockey because there's really no context for the sport or really, you know, 
any understanding for the sport before they begin to play, and it's really cool to see the confidence they walk away with throughout any of our programming because they learn it and they understand something new, not only about the sport, but about themselves. That is really cool. Yeah. How do you use hockey to teach science, and how do you use it to teach math? Right. So kind of back to your earlier question about where did we first realize science and math is in hockey? I mean, it's part of any sport, and sports are really special in that way where they're so dynamic in terms of the physics and the physicality that players rely on and use each day to you know, complete their jobs, not only in the ice, but off the ice and training. And then by extension, the people that are surround the sport through data analysis, coaching, nutrition, it's really, there's all sorts of applications for, you know, the broader STEM applications in terms of the sport of hockey. So, for instance, you know, the things that we hone on are kind of really the really unique things about our sport. So one of the things I love to talk about is how we can explain thermodynamics to students through exploration of the sheet of ice at Honda Center. And then tying the concepts of how the sheet of ice at Honda Center is not terribly different from making ice cream at home and or the ice in their freezer. And so it's about making those connections to something that's obviously foreign to most of the students in terms of hockey, but it's a way of making those concepts come alive and providing reference for things that they're familiar with. So in terms of hockey, that sheet of ice is, you know, you, you might think it's magical the way it shows up there, but when you boil it down to its essence, it's very understandable. And especially when you use things like ice cubes or ice cream to explain how that sheet of ice got there, it becomes very accessible to those students. So that same idea can be applied to the science of a slap shot, right? The way the stick function is much like a rubber band. And almost every student has experience pulling back a rubber band. And they especially love it when you get to shoot something with a rubber band and then take that concept of rubber band shooter or a slingshot and apply it to the hockey stick and say, hey, these are really the same concepts in practice. Let me explain to you the science terminology so you understand, you know, scientifically how these things work. And then we're able to delve into things like kinetic and potential energy and the law of conservation of energy and Newton's laws. And these are all, you know, they seem very inaccessible on their own. But when you give them a real world example, our real world example is just hockey. It it illuminates those for the students. I'm back on that sheet of ice being like making ice cream in my kitchen. How is that similar? So really it's the same principles. Uh, freezing, right? Uh, heat exchange, if you will. So what we're doing is the only thing that really separates the sheet of ice from your ice cream is the introduction of air, right? We have a cooling agent, and depending on how you make ice cream and what this cool liquid in ice cream, which is, you know, a cream and sugar mixture, is interacting with a colder surface, which is drawing out the heat from that liquid, reducing its temperature until it crystallizes and forms ice, right? That cream crystallizes. And then at the same time, you have a paddle that is stirring a bunch of air into it, making your ice cream fluffy, right, and doubling its volume. The difference with the ice sheet is that we just let that warmer liquid sit on top of a cooler slab of concrete. For instance, in Honda Center, that cool slab of concrete has these pipes in it that have a saline solution pumped through those pipes that keeps that concrete slab at a consistently cold temperature, drawing out the heat from that liquid, which in this case is water. There's no stir, there's no paddle, so we're not injecting air, and that sheet of water crystallizes and becomes that sheet of ice on top of that concrete. So it's not terribly different, and I'm not too sure how, how well I did explain the difference between the two there, but really we're just talking about heat exchange and how we draw 
heat away from warmer objects. But we can do that with our examples through the sheet of ice on Hutton Center and then obviously the ice cream in your bucket or the ones that, you know, Thrifty's makes in their factory. That made it live for me. What about reaching out to people who are primarily arts students? That's, you've just pretty much told me you've involved art. Making ice cream is an art. But how do you take that further? If you have somebody who kind of cringes at the idea of science and math, but they're an arts person, how do you reach them through these programs? Well, specifically, we have an arts program as well. But in terms of its relation to you know the A within STEAM, this is the way I interpret that. And being a hockey guy, I'll make a, a hockey analogy for you. You know, these guys are incredible athletes. They all come up primarily through the same coaching systems, the same playing styles. It's all about repetition, practice, and this is the way they hone their skills, much in the same way a scientist in the lab might do the same experiment over and over and over and over again, or a coder or an engineer might approach the same project over and over and over again. And I think what sets the superstars in hockey apart, and likewise the superstars of science or, or STEAM apart, is the ability to inject creativity into their work. And this is one of the first things you'll hear an announcer say when a hockey player does something spectacular on ice. They'll say something to the effect of, look how creative he or she was with the puck. Look what they did with that. Look how different they thought in making that pass or taking that shot. They thought about something that is so ordinary, so redundant, repetitive, and they thought about it differently. They injected creativity into their work to do something new and spectacular. They thought differently from their peers and their counterparts to achieve their end. And if you think about professionals in STEM and STEAM, really that's what they do as well. Everybody's doing a lot of the same stuff, but the ones that are set apart, the ones that stand above the rest tend to approach their fields with creativity. And that's where I see the arts most commonly in science. And this is what we do when we go out to schools. And in particular this year, we'll challenge students to think about the engineering process. We'll kind of lay out an engineering roadmap. This is what an engineer does when they, how they take notes. And this is how an engineer tends to think. And this is the thought process as they approach the scientific method. And then ultimately, as this year's theme, which is called Build a Better Puck, we're going to ask students to reimagine and re-envision what the NHL puck could be so that it achieves all the things that we ask it to do, that it, you know, functions like the puck does normally, but improves upon its design. So we're going to ask students to think differently about the puck's design and change it and think about how we can improve upon it. And that's very much so the creativity that the arts depend on and that I feel like represents the A in that steam. How much fun does that sound, too? I noticed that you have resources online for the students to get a look at and their teachers right now about building a better puck, and if I'm not mistaken, on Instructables.com as well. Correct. Yeah, so the idea is, again, is not only you know, to put these concepts out, but is to partner with experts in the field and similarly-minded companies and, and community partners that are looking to do this type of work. And so we've been lucky enough in the past to partner with Autodesk, and I had mentioned Orange County Department of Education, but also organizations like Discovery Science Cube down here in Orange County. And what we're all trying to do is give students access to these concepts and instructables is wonderful. And by extension, the uh, Tinkercad platform that 
we utilize for this project where students have access, teachers have access to the stuff, and they can go online and go through a simple tutorial about CAD design and then walk out on the other end and use their creativity, you know, and then some instruction or some suggestions from us to create a better puck. And again, by extension, what we've done is we created these partnerships with places like Discovery Cube where they're helping us host professional development for teachers. So we're trying to provide not only access, but success or pathways to success for these students. So what obstacle is in your way? Well, I don't know how to use a 3D printer. Okay, we're going to provide a workshop for you. We don't have access to CAD software. Okay, well, we had this partnership with Autodesk that provides the Tinkercad platform free of charge for you. You know, we don't have a 3D printer in our classroom or at our school. No problem. Send us your design. We'll print it for you. And the idea is to not only provide or introduce these concepts, but to make sure they come to life for those students. And they're really one of the neat things we're proud of in that respect for, in particular, with this Build a Better Puck Challenge is in the last time we explored this theme four years ago, Autodesk helped us by printing some of the student designs out and our players used them on the ice during the field trip and allowed them to give you know, this real-world, real-time feedback to those students that created those designs. And that was really impactful because they were able to see their designs in action and then hear from the professionals that use these, you know, the best players in the world, and get feedback on those designs. So that was really special. What was one of the coolest designs they came up with in that particular challenge? So there was quite a few creative ones. And, you know, some of the, I'll call them the funkier designs, where students really thought outside the box functionally, did it work so well? They had this octagonal design with almost looks like a donut with two octagons on it that was really cool looking. Functionally, it just didn't work very well. It, it, it didn't lie flat on the ice, and it became obvious once you know it was sliding around. So I think from impactfully, the students were able to see, oh, you know, there's the aha moment. Oh, that's why that doesn't work. You know, all these things, you know, in the lab or in your mind seem like they'd be really good ideas, but when they get into that real-world environment, you know, when they're able to be tested, you know, sometimes you have these spectacular failures, which are so integral to the science, to science education, right, to understanding, oh, back to the drawing board. But, you know, kind of the simplest tweaks on the classic design were the best. Somebody described it as like a vortexing type pattern on the side of the puck. Really approved the puck's flight through the air, allowed it to lie flatter, didn't flip end over end as much, and the players really liked that design and, you know, seemed like a really promising addition to the puck. So that was really cool to see as well. What if a teacher or a principal is listening right now and thinking, how do I get my class involved in this? And, of course, the Builder Better puck culminates in your field trip. The first flight field trip, we still have a waiting list open, but we're at capacity in terms of the amount of students that we can bring into the building. And because we're what we call a small arena, believe it or not, we can only fit about 16,000 kids in there, and we have roughly 21,000 students signed up for this field trip. So that said, uh, in terms of coming to the field trip, actually experiencing Honda Center itself, it's probably not going to be a reality this year. But what we say is sign up for that waiting list. And what we're able to do with the students and the, the, the classrooms of that waiting list, we're able to provide our workbook resources to those students so they can still engage and interact with our materials, uh, in particular our activity kits, that workbook, and then those online challenges. They still have the opportunity to experience and interact with those. What that also does is it puts them on a list to where when we go out and we send out registration materials for the 1920 year, they'll be included on 
those lists, those invite lists. And we kind of work in between new and old school means where every August, the beginning of August, anybody that we've had contact with in the previous year, in particular the programs they were interested in, we send them invites out to those programs or send them emails talking about when the next registration date is going to be. So if you have a teacher or a principal or a district official that's interested, the best thing to do is to go to www.ducksscore.com, two S's in the middle there, and check out the program they're interested in and sign up. There'll be a link for every program that we discussed. Ducksscore.com. Ducksscore. I've been going to ask you what we're going to experience on the field trip, but rather than tease anybody that didn't get in, why don't we look at some of the other programs you have, like teaching reading as part of your, I believe it's in-class education initiative? Yeah, so the program you're referencing is a Reading is the Goal program, and that program is quite simple. Really what that is is a 30-day reading challenge that we're fortunate enough on our end to incentivize students. So we we get to dangle a carrot, and what we're trying to do is Number one, just really create an environment that allows teachers to pass along a love for reading or encourage reading in their classrooms. So what we do is we say, hey, we're going to reward students for reading. And hopefully that reinforces the importance of doing so. So, you know, silent reading or reading in the free time is something students already do. But what we do is we come alongside these classrooms that sign up for this program, and it's roughly 10,000 kids each year that participate. And we say, hey, if you read a certain amount, we lay out these prize plateaus. And we say, if you read this amount, you're going to get X incentive. And if you read this amount, you're going to get, you know, this incentive. And it goes all the way up to tickets to a hockey game. And and what it does for us on, I I guess, you know, and I should mention that, you know, we do have a business purpose. (laughs) We want to talk about hockey and we want to expose students to the sport of hockey. And that's, you know, part of our purpose of why we exist. But what we decided, and this kind of goes back to the origins of the SCORE program, is that we promise, our promise to you is that we acknowledge that it's a special space you've afforded us in your classroom. The ability to come into your classroom is special and sacred, and we don't take it lightly. So anything that we do, our promise to those schools is that it's going to be of educational value, and it's going to be something that is going to hopefully alleviate some type of concern or aid in your overall goal as a classroom teacher. And we really feel like the Reading is the Goal program is, is one of those programs that students and teachers are already asking students to read uh, a certain amount of time, and we're just coming along and saying, we're going to give you some prizes. We're going to give you some incentives for doing so. And the Reading is the Goal program is one of those. This really sounds exciting because reading's been a lifelong love, so it's kind of fun to see a hockey player reading James and the Giant Peach to a classroom. It is. It's a really special thing, and each year we designate one of those schools to host what we call the Reading is the Gold Day, and we just did this earlier in November. And we went out to the school, and we bring out our entire staff, and we go and read to every classroom at that school, whether it's pre-K or TK, all the way through eighth grade sometimes. And we go and... We read a couple books that are grade level appropriate, and then we stick around and answer questions. And most of those questions pertain to you know, what we do for the ducks. But we always send our volunteers, our, our staff volunteers out there, and we say, hey, this is what we do, and this is how we utilize reading and literacy in our day-to-day work lives. And it's really impactful to have those discussions with these students because when they think of the ducks, they tend to just think about hockey players. They don't think about all the careers and things it takes to you know, put that team out in the ice and make sure they're successful. And quite a bit of that is this front office staff, this 
business staff, there's hockey operations staff that do all these things behind the scenes to allow those players to be successful. And a ton of that, as you can imagine, is reliant on, you know, literacy and understanding of math and science. And so it's a really great way for our staff to make those connections with those students inside the classroom. I'm assuming that because you said it just happened, for anybody to get their school involved in the reading is the goal program. It would be the same as for the first flight field trip. Contact you, and then August they'd get an invitation. Is that how that works? Yes, that's exactly how that works. In fact, I said we weren't going to tease anybody, but what about the 2020 first flight field trip? Do you know yet what that might be about and what people might experience if they went on it? We will, yeah. we So the next year we're going to explore electrical engineering, and in particular, circuitry. So it's one of our tougher metaphors to make that hockey connection, but we really explore that through the science of the goal light, and we talk, we call it light the lamp. And if you're familiar with hockey at all, the goal light is this big red light that sits directly behind each goaltender, and when the team scores, there's a guy up at a booth that presses a button and lights that lamp and lights that red light so everybody in the building knows that a goal has taken place. And so we talk about the function of that light specific to like how that light works, you know, how we create red light and what it takes in terms of the electricity and the actual light itself. And then we talk about what it takes for a team to create a goal. And we use the metaphor of, you know, passing and shooting and ultimately to light the lamp. But we do that in a way to where Ultimately, what students will do next year is create their own electrical circuit to light their very own lamp inside the classroom. And we provide activity kit materials, wires, conductors, power supplies, LED lights, even a mini horn like you'd find in a hockey arena. So if you've ever been to a hockey game, you know that accompanies that goal light is a very, very loud goal horn as well. And so we provide students the opportunity to learn something about electrical engineering, specifically the function of circuits, and do so through the metaphor of the goal lamp. And so we'll be discussing that next year for the 2020 first flight field trip. Let's get an imaginary bus right now. Let's say it's 2020, and we are going on that first flight field trip. What else are we going to experience? So one of the great things and the, the strengths about our event is, is our community and corporate partners. So if you're on that bus, that means that about a month prior to you getting on that bus, you got a workbook that arrived at your classroom along with an activity kit. So you've already read through a workbook and learned about a lot of these concepts. So you're excited. You're on your way to Honda Center. You're going to park that bus with, you know, 100 others in our big parking lot and then travel down until the south side of the building. And a good portion of our additional parking area is dedicated to what is essentially a large science fair. And not only do we create exhibits ourselves, but we rely on community partners like PBS SoCal, Microsoft, Toyo Tires, Cal State Fullerton, Cal State LA, University of Laverne, Hope International University, outreach clubs like the Junior League of Orange County, local engineering firms. And what they do is they create exhibits that are relevant to the theme that we're going to discuss inside the building. And so for about two and a half hours from 8 o'clock to 10.30, students will be able to interact with all these exhibits out in our parking lot and to learn something different through the through a different voice through a different lens and from one of our community and corporate partners about something like this year engineering which is you know a very broad theme to very specifically electrical engineering next year so you might see a jacob's ladder in our parking lot next year you might see 
a giant tower in our parking lot, you know, this year. Last year, we had a 12-foot bowling ball pendulum to talk about energy transfer. So it's incredibly impactful area, not only visually and sensory, but it's one of those ways students can interact with and experience science in a real-world, authentic environment. And it's solely because we have this huge volunteer core, and that is partly made up of community volunteers, but also these corporate partners that come and give their time to come present and demonstrate on the theme that we're sharing inside the building. So about 10.30, we put out a call to the entire parking lot. We say, hey, the show's about to start inside. Please make your way inside the building. And then what we do is we turn over the responsibility of instruction to our player and coaching staff. And they greet the students as soon as they come in the building, and we start what is essentially a review of the workbook. We go lesson by lesson, and the players in their own language, on their own terms, through the lens of hockey, get to explain these concepts of science using the thing they know best. So, for instance, that energy transfer concept let students learn last year by pulling a rubber band and shooting a paper projectile. The players are able to explain those same concepts of energy transfer, increasing a stick's potential to do work, what happens when it moves forward and becomes kinetic energy, and then transferring the energy to a puck is all done through a slap shot. So these guys are given the opportunity to explain something that they know intimately and know very well. These are the best players in the world, and they're given the platform to use their own language to explain a concept of science, and then we allow the students to make those connections. And we do that in a really fun environment inside the building, full entertainment, like they'd find at the Ducks game any other time of the year. And we create this really highly energized, very loud experience for students that hopefully they're walking away with not only a positive association with hockey, but they have a reinforcement of the concepts they got in the workbook outside of the parking lot and then one more time inside the building. Wow. As we wrap up, if people could only get one thing from you as an educator, as a professional, as somebody who's giving back to the community about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you want them to take away from you and the SCORE program? I would say that everybody has an opportunity to use their unique voice to contribute to the educational landscape of their community. Everybody has the unique ability to discuss what they do, what's important to them, and frame it within the lens of science. So hockey is unique in the aspect that we have a passion for it and we know it very well. But every other sport has the potential to do this. Every other profession has the potential to do this. So if you're passionate about the growth and prosperity of your educational community, I'd encourage you, not only if you're an administrator teacher, to reach out to local professionals to see how they can help you reinforce these concepts to your students, but if you're a professional listening to this and you are interested and just don't know how to do it, seek others out that are doing this type of work and then use your unique perspective to reach out and teach because ultimately what it's going to do is not only bring awareness to what you do and and talk about your importance to the community, but it's going to improve the community in which you live. And we all, if you're civic-minded, I feel like it's not only a duty, but it's one of those things that ultimately will create better communities and more prosperous communities 
and the longevity of both of those things within those communities. So I think we all have a role to play in that. Ours just happens to be the local hockey club, but I think everybody has an opportunity and the ability to make a positive impact on the educational landscape. Jason, thank you for your time today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You and I have been listening to Jason Cooper, Manager of Fan Development Marketing for the Anaheim Ducks Hockey Club. For more information on the Ducks award-winning SCORE program and its various educational resources, which include the Captain's Challenge Health and Fitness program and Reading is the Goal, or to get an early heads up on their first flight field trip in 2020 for grades three through six, go to DucksScore.com. That's DucksScore.com. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to additional Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X.com. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.